Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter, and I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I'm with Charles Max Wood. Charles Max Wood is the CEO of Top End Devs and the host of several podcasts. He's been writing Ruby since 2005 and podcasting since 2008. His mission is to push developers off their default career tra- trajectory and onto an inspiring and impactful past that changed their respective programming communities. Wow, that's a mouthful. So uh, maybe, so Charles, uh, I believe you just like to be called Chuck. So yep. I'll just call you Chuck. Yep. Uh, why don't you also introduce yourself, maybe give a little bit more, a little bit more uh, background because uh, this topic is all about how to be a better developer mm-hmm. or a better person and so forth. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Top End Devs, if you've listened to the podcast that I produce, um, they've all been at devchat.tv. I'm in the middle of actually rebranding that over to topenddevs.com. Just because I feel like that kind of gives you an idea of kind of the mission that we're on here. And when I say I want to help people become Top End Devs, what I'm talking about is really getting people into that top 5%-ish of the community, you know, of developers, of people that are um, writing code, writing code in whatever language or framework they're using and contributing to the community community in ways that actually make a difference for the community and and help change the community in ways that, that make a difference, right? So that could be speaking, it could be uh, writing blogs, it could be podcasting, it could be YouTube, um, it could be writing open source software, it could be um, leading users groups. I mean, all kinds of different ways that people can do it. Um, but I feel like that also pushes them to grow in their skills and their learning journey and things like that. So it, it all kind of comes full circle back to the ideas around the skill growth, but then also building relationships, contributing to the community and being recognized for what you do. That's quite interesting. Uh so if I understand correctly, actually, let me just kind of step back for a moment. Uh, I do want to just go ahead and be kind of full outright. Like this podcast would have never been if it weren't for the sessions that we had. So I was part of your, uh, I don't know what you call cohorts uh, for the, uh, maybe you can go ahead and introduce it. Right? Yeah. So I don't even know how, how to better introduce it, but I was actually part of, well, actually one mm-hmm. of your students for quite a while. And without your instruction and guidance, I don't think we would have this podcast. Right. So um, probably over the last six months, I've picked up coaching, um, which is part of, again, part of this mission, part of this idea that, hey, you know, let's get, you know, top end devs to go out and share what they know. And one of the things that I put together was an accelerator. And I've renamed it about six times. um, But right now it's the top end devs accelerator. And what it is, is it's a system that people can follow to put together a podcast so that they can share their expertise, help their communities, help it grow, uh, things like that, right? So we kind of start out with um, what community are you in, what expertise do you have, um, and, and where can you help, right? So who are you going to serve? What problems do they have? Where can you lift? Where can you coach where can you help where can you create content that's going to make a difference and then from there um we start getting into okay you know what's kind of the nitty-gritty process of putting together in this case a podcast right how do you get that out there so people can find it how do you put out content that solves the problems people have 
How do you put out content that answers the questions people have? And how do you, at the end of the day, uh, both demonstrate your expertise, but do it in a way that helps people? That's, that's quite interesting. Like, I think, at least in the modern days, having a podcast is probably not as popular as, say, a YouTube channel or, mm -hmm. or even a blog even. So do you have any anything to say about that? Or should we even look at podcasts still? Yeah. So podcasting year over year has grown um, anywhere from 50 to 100%. It just depends on in, in audience, in total audience. Um, and it really just depends on what's going on out there. So um, during the pandemic, it grew quite a bit faster than it had before. It was just because, you know, people had more time to pick things up like podcasts. They were looking for uh, more content that they can consume. Um, and so, yeah, podcasting is a growing medium and it's a great place to invest. The other thing that I tell people is it really depends on what outcome you're looking for, right? So if you're looking to, and, and let me just, instead of taking it from outcomes, let's talk about each medium that people kind of, um, put forward as, as alternatives to podcasting because they're interesting and they, they all offer different, um, what different opportunities, I guess. So blogging is interesting and has probably been around the longest, right? People write blog posts, they get out there, uh, you know, they, they'll write up, Hey, this is what I did. This is what I learned. Um, this is what I understand about this topic. And, the problem with writing those up is that there's no mechanism to bring people back. Right. And typically when, when you're putting out content like a podcast or a YouTube channel or um, a blog, you want people coming back, right? You want to build a relationship with your audience, with your reader or listener or, or viewer. And blogs are really hard to do that. And, and the reason is, is because again, it doesn't have that mechanism to bring people back. Right. Um, a lot of blogs have RSS feeds, but people typically don't use RSS feeds to, you know, to get that content. So the only option you really have as a blogger to get people to come back is to go to the places where blog posts get featured and to get featured on a frequent basis, right? That, that's, that's all you really have. Um, the other thing that you can do, I guess, is SEO, but SEO is kind of a hit or miss game and it's a little bit tough. The other problem that you have with blogging is that there are a whole lot more blogs than there are podcasts or YouTube channels. In fact, there are more blogs than pod podcasts and YouTube channels combined. Um, so you you kind of have that discoverability problem as well. Um, but if writing is your natural medium, then, you know, it may be worth considering, right? And if you can get a viral blog post up... And then you can use that to enhance maybe speaking or some of the other options that you have out there for, for getting your name out, then it, it, you know, it's a valid option, but just keep in mind that, um, beyond sort of the SEO benefits that you're going to get for your website and, you know, the occasional viral post you're going to have, you're not going to build that relationship with an audience. And so, you know, that those, those are kind of the trade-offs with blogging, um, with YouTube, you have some of the same discoverability issues in the sense that um, there are millions and millions and millions of YouTube videos, and each video kind of competes on its own, right? When you do a YouTube search, it gives you a list of videos, doesn't give you a list of channels. And so, um, again, you, you're kind of competing on that, you know, per post, per um, 
uh, per video option, right? And so in that sense, you, you kind of have the same problem as, as blogging. You're just in a smaller pond. Um, the, the flip side of that is, is that people can subscribe to your channel, right? And so if you're on YouTube, people subscribe to your channel. The next time they're on YouTube, you know, they're more likely to see your content, right? And YouTube has an algorithm to send them back, right? So, cause YouTube's purpose is to keep you on YouTube. And so if, if keeping you on YouTube means keeping you watching Alan's videos, then that, that works out great, right? Because people will keep coming around and, some people are much more dynamic and charismatic on video. And so that works out, right? It makes sense to, to go on video and kind of create that. But people are looking for a different thing on video than they are from something like an audio podcast. And so there's a trade-off there too. And um, I, I get much more into outcome and specific relationship that you want to build uh, on the YouTube channel versus on the podcast. And, and the difference is mainly that on YouTube, what I find is that most people are going on YouTube to be entertained, right? They, they're, it's going to be a full attention thing. They're going to sit down. They're actually going to watch it. I know some people that get on and they turn on YouTube and then they don't watch the video. They just listen to it. But that's not generally the way people consume it. So at the end of the day, they're looking to be entertained. And so you have to be entertaining. You have to be dynamic. You have to get their attention. You have to keep their attention. And, and, and that's kind of the way that YouTube works. And so if you can make that happen, then you can build an audience and you can build a relationship with people on YouTube. Um, podcasting, however, is a little bit different because usually podcasting, when we're talking about podcasting, and, and there's some confusion and some debate over what makes a podcast and what doesn't make a podcast. Specifically, when I talk about podcasts, I'm talking about audio podcasts. Um, audio podcasts come in a channel that's provided by an RSS feed. Um, the RSS feed, though, at this point is kind of transparent to the, the listener, right? Most podcast listeners know there's an RSS feed, but they just subscribe to the channel on whatever app they're on. And at the end of the day, what that does is um, it just comes to their device, right? And so I have my phone. I listen to my podcast on my phone. And that's kind of the way that works, which means that I take it with me everywhere. And I think that's a major benefit to podcasting. The other benefit is that because I can take it anywhere, I can hook it up to my car, I can hook it up to my headphones when I'm mowing the lawn or doing the dishes or whatever, and I can do that while I'm listening to the podcast. So what that means is, is that people will consume it while they're out doing other stuff. The other thing that's been interesting is that um, people tend to build a different kind of relationship with podcasters when it's audio only. Because it's just the voice, they they tend to give more credence to what the podcaster says. And they're looking for more companionship rather than entertainment that you get from the YouTube end. And so, anyway, that that's kind of the trade-off that you're seeing there. And so, if you're trying to build sort of that relationship of trust, then you're going to do it differently on YouTube than you're going to do it in a podcast. And for that reason, you know, I push people to podcasts because I know how to do it as opposed to on YouTube where it just doesn't come quite as naturally to me. But, you know, I, I've seen people do it successfully on YouTube, so I can't say you can't do it on YouTube. But what I am saying is, is that, yeah, uh, the people who consume podcasts, they consume a lot of them. They put them on their, their phone. Uh, they listen to them in the car, on their commute, and they kind of consume them as they go. 
And then as you, you know, put your messages out there, you get them, uh, ask them to buy products, things like that. Um, I find that that's much more effective on a podcast. And so if you're looking to build a business or anything like that, um, I push the podcast first and then you can circle back and try and figure out how to do the video later. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because I feel like, you know, anybody can do a YouTube. I don't know. Like, that's just the feeling when I see a YouTube channel because you see so mm-hmm. many people young and also inexperienced that just put up videos. But podcasting, for some weird reason, I think it's just a lot of setup involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even just like what we did in, in, in the course together, but like the serious logistics, like getting your stuff put on YouTube is very straightforward. Getting your, like, just for one instance, Getting your RSS feed submitted to Apple is like a pain, right? <laughs> it is a little bit of you a pain. To, you have to wait. And also, like like I said, YouTube is very straightforward. You do these things, mm-hmm. and then there's a button that they like encourage video upload because that's what they thrive on, right? The more right. views that they have, the more you can stay on their mm-hmm. channel. But for podcasting, the problem is that it's not centralized. Right. So submitting – and also submitting it is like a hassle because it's like, well, if I want to submit to Amazon, how do I do that? Right. Where's the link? Like if you go to Amazon.com, they're just trying to sell you stuff. There's no like button over here that says submit your podcast. Here. Right. Go- uh, Google the same thing, right? Podcast mm-hmm. manager. That's also not straightforward to find. Basically every, even Spotify, all the channels I have to say, like they don't blast. This is how you do it. You have to right. Google search it or actually know the systems in and out. That's like the really crazy part. Yeah. They all have podcaster portals that you can get into. Um, and usually you just submit your RSS feed to them, right? So it's just it's just the one link. Um, wherever you're doing your podcast hosting, they'll give you the RSS link. So it's it's pretty straightforward. But yeah, like you're saying, it's not centralized at all, right? And so you you wind up going to, yeah, 8, 10, 12 different places, depending on how many listings you want to have, right? Uh, how many places you want to show up in. And you submit your show. And to be perfectly honest, I don't see any reason not to submit to anything and everything that carries podcasts, right? And so, yeah, um, the the big ones you want to be on for sure are currently are Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Google. Um, you know, and then you can go get on like iHeartRadio and some of the other ones. But um, those are kind of the big ones. And yeah, you know. You go, you submit your RSS feed, and like Google, I think, comes back in an hour, and Apple, depending on how busy they are, it can take a couple of weeks, right? Um, I've seen it go through in a couple of days, but that usually means that you hit them when not a lot of other people were submitting shows. So basically, you know, that's actually an interesting sign, too, because, yeah, it does say that you're not the only one, right? Right. Even though you feel like there's not really any new podcasts, I guess it just depends on your your target segment. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, is that the new shows, it's, it's pretty rare for a new show to make a big splash, you know, because usually what, if it makes a big splash, it's because it's a big personality or it's having a major push by a company or something like that. And, you know, and so they're, they're pushing their media other places, right? So they're going to make a big splash because they're advertising on Facebook and, and other places. And, showing up on all the places and getting people to talk about them. Um, so, yeah. The other thing I seem to notice is that a lot of people start podcasting, but then give up, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you have any advice about this kind of issue? Like how long should I keep trying until I, maybe it's just not right for me. 
You know, it's it's funny because I've seen stats. Usually it's anywhere from six to ten episodes, um, and then people will give up. Um, and, and typically it's not that their podcast isn't growing. It's also typically not that they're not getting the outcome they want uh, so much as they just, you know, it's it's a bit of work, right? You have to record the episode. You've got to edit the episode. You've got to get it posted um, on your, wherever you're hosting it, you've got to put it, you know, on the RSS feed, and then you've got to put it out there. And what's funny is, is that a lot of people will actually hire people to do all that, which is what I recommend actually, because you can, you can get people to do that for you pretty inexpensively. Um, I typically hire people out of the Philippines. And so, you know, they're relatively inexpensive com compared to us people. Um, but what it ultimately boils down to is is that you have to put time in your schedule on a regular basis to record and that's where people fall apart is that they're they're not as committed as they thought they were to creating the content and and I think that boils down to two things one is is hey I'm not as passionate about this topic as I thought I was right and so I'm not as eager to go talk about it again on a microphone or um the other angle is that um you know, they're just busy, right? And so they they are excited about it, but they're just not good at prioritizing it. Yeah, I can definitely say that at least the last few weeks, my schedule has been super crazy. Like, I've barely been getting any mm -hmm. sleep. So, um, yeah, being busy is definitely something that's a problem. But I think the best way to solve that is record as many episodes as you can and keep yep. a very busy schedule. A very busy, not very busy schedule, but a very full backlog so that way in case you do get busy for some short period of time for whatever reason could be work could be personal you have that stuff right edit those as soon as possible schedule them i think nearly all the podcasting software when you post them you can just schedule them yep. and then you just wait yep absolutely the way that we do it at uh top end devs is we actually have a recording schedule and we because all, all of our shows or almost all of our shows i was going to say all of our shows but i do a couple of them on my own um and, and in fact, it's funny because those are the ones that are infrequent because I don't have them on my schedule every week and I need to do that. Um, they have a scheduled time every week that, that the hosts show up and record. And so that's the way we do it. And, you know, if we have a guest, then we record with the guest. And if we don't, then we record with that one. And, um, and that makes it easier, right? So if you can stick it into your schedule early, then, then, then that, max, that makes it a lot easier to get your podcast going. Okay, so yeah, have a schedule, have a mm -hmm. cadence, kind of keep up with that as much as possible. Yep. And maybe record a backlog so that in case mm -hmm. something does happen, you have. Okay. Yep. That's definitely true. Uh, how do you like figure out what topic is best for you? Like, let's just say you just want to to podcast something. You just want to kind of use this as a tool to kind of get yourself out there. Is there a way that you think would be a good way to figure out like what topic you think you, you would do? Because I think when I when we did do our session, right? It was multiple people at the same time. Uh -huh. For me, I didn't have my topic until a little bit, but I think my, my topic came much easier than other people, but I think some other people right. were just like, man, I have no idea what I want to do. Like any tips or. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it just comes back around to, and, and this is the same advice I give to people who are trying to advance their career, right? Is where are you trying to get to? Right. I mean, what what outcome do you want from the podcast? What outcome do you want from your career? What, what outcome do you want in life? Right. Um, if 
if you're just doing a podcast just to have fun and whatever, right? And I'm talking to one of my neighbors, right, about doing a, a podcast about board games, right? And and that would just be for fun, right? Um, but, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about, okay, you know, what do we want to get out of it? Well, part of it is, is we want an excuse to get together and play board games, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, we like talking about it. So it's an opportunity for us to get together and chat about it. And we can get our names out there and, you know, go to some of the board game conventions and stuff like that. He he and his wife actually own a board game store here in town. And so that's another outcome for them, right, is that they might get some more uh, traffic to their store. But, you know, you, you think about that, right? Where is this going to take me? What do I want from this, right? And so within the programming community, I usually am pushing people to, okay, you know, what outcome do you want, right? So I had um, a client from uh, Australia, you you know him, Luke, um, you know, and he wanted to essentially put more content, content out there about Quasar, which is a, a sort of, how do I put it, multi-platform development uh, system framework for Vue.js, right? So you can do um, mobile, you can do... Um, Obviously, you can do web because Vue.js is web. You know, you can do all this stuff, right? And so he wanted to get that out there. He wanted to support the Quasar community and the Vue community, right? So he had some pretty specific things that he wanted to do. Um, you know, you you kind of came around to the same idea with Flutter. Um, you also wanted to do some training, some, um, you know, possibly some courses, things like that, right? So you had some pretty clear outcomes that you wanted to get to. Um, I've had other people come to me. And essentially say, hey, look, I really love uh, coaching people on finding their first dev job, right? And so that that was a little bit more nebulous as far as, okay, well, what do I do my show on, right? Is it uh, job searches? Is it being a new dev? Is it, um, you know, getting to this other place where I can do this other thing, you know? And so what what we do is we sit down and we say, okay, well, who's your who's your target audience, right? Who Who is that person that you're going to try and reach that you can make a difference for, right? That, that it's going to have an impact for. And, you know, and so for a lot of them, I had two people come to me with that. And uh, it was okay. Well, it's obviously newer developers um, who are either junior developers or who are still kind of picking things up and haven't quite gotten their first job, right? And so it's what content do they need, right? And and what what can I put forward that's really going to make that difference, right? And if you're really truly deeply passionate about helping them out, then it's usually pretty easy to figure out, okay, how do I, you know, what do I talk about? You know, what what's going to have the biggest impact for them, right? And then the ones that you can really help they're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, look, you talked about this theme thing. I need a little bit deeper, more personalized help, right? And so then you can wind up coaching them or helping them or building courses for them or whatever and kind of take things to that next level. And so when I when I talk to people, that's usually what, what we're looking at is, hey, you know, what am I trying to do? What kind of outcome am I trying to create? And then from there, it's who's the target market for this? And then what show does that target market need? And from there, you can put things together and kind of get that out there. The other thing that I also tell people, though, is that you have to keep that vision in mind. 
because it's really easy to get lost in the, I'm doing a show about such and such for such and such and kind of lose that passion for the thing that you're actually trying to create, you know, that vision. And so if you go back to, no, I'm really trying to create an environment where new developers can find the job that they want that's going to help them succeed in their career, you know, and you go back to that over and over and over again, that will keep you podcasting because that's the thing you're passionate about. It's not talking about resumes and interviews. I'm wondering if, like, I've seen some people, especially on YouTube, they set up like a YouTube channel to kind of document their learning process, right? Like, okay, I'm a complete mm-hmm. noob at development or even uh, creating websites. So I'm going to like talk about like, okay, today I learned or this week I learned and this is kind of mm-hmm. my, my thing. How about something like that where you can use this as a way to to also like you, you, you don't know this, like you're not an expert in this, but you're using this mm-hmm. as, a, as a tool to kind of talk about that. Is that also another valid way? Yeah, that's initially how I got into podcasting. So um, just kind of back up and rewind a little bit. Um, I got into podcasting in 2008. Um, and what what was going on, I was actually working in QA at the time for a company here in Utah. And <clears throat> I shared an office with another guy who commuted down from Ogden. Um, which is an hour and a half or so north of here. And so, you know, long drive, he would, uh, he, he bought an iPod. Back when iPods were the old ones with the circle dial on them, you know, and you, you know, they were, they were like a, a mile thick. And, uh, you know, so he'd drive down and he'd listen to podcasts on the way down and then he'd listen to podcasts at work. And, you know, so he's listening to him and, you know, laughing at something that somebody said, you know, grammar girl said something clever. And so he's enjoying that. I'm like, what are you listening to? And he, he got me into podcasts and listening to podcasts. Um, and so I reached out to one of the guys that I was listening to and said, hey, I want to start a podcast. And he encouraged me to do it. And so I started doing kind of an interview slash um, learning experience podcast. And. I started that right before I got my first like real professional programming job. And so as I did that, you know, I'd interview these experts and I'd learn from them. And then on the weeks where I didn't have a guest, I would talk about what I was learning about Ruby on Rails. And what that turned into, funny enough, was a friend of mine had started a video series called Teach Me to Code. And he was starting to get into Groovy and Grails. Hang on just a second. He was getting into Groovy on Grails. And um, most of the people who were watching Teach Me to Code were doing Ruby and Rails. And because I was consistently producing content, he handed it off to me and let me kind of run with it from there. And so I started making videos as well, showing what I was learning, right? showing how to do some of the things that I was figuring out how to do. And so between the two, um, it it got pretty easy to demonstrate what I was doing. And this is something that I encourage people to do, you know, either, again, through a blog, through podcasting, through screencasting, um, YouTube videos, I mean, what have you, right? And the reason is, is you're, again, here, you're not necessarily trying to build an audience so much as just 
uh, have something out there that people can go look at. And the way that this pays off is that when I went to get after that first job, so that first job, I worked there for about a year and, you know, they hired me knowing I was brand new. Um, the client that I was working for hit a snag with their income. And so they kind of cut all the extra expenses, including contractors, which meant that I didn't have a job anymore or I didn't have a contract anymore. And despite their promise that, hey, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't we just lay people off. We bench people. They just laid me off. And so, you know, I went home and I told my wife that I'd just gotten laid off. Um, I went out and I put my resume out there for a bunch of places, um, which is not the way I recommend you find a job anymore, but that's a separate conversation. I wrote a book on that. Um, but anyway, I got a phone call and I went in for that job interview. I think it was our fourth wedding anniversary. It's our third or fourth wedding anniversary. Um, but yeah, went in for the job interview, did the interview. Um, the guy I was talking to through a lot of the interview, he'd ask me a question and I'd answer the question and then say, I have a video on that, right? I did a podcast episode on that. So I walk out the door and he goes and looks up my videos, right? He goes and looks up, teach me to code. And he watches a couple of them and he's like, this guy knows his stuff, right? I mean, uh, on paper, on the resume, it shows one year of programming experience, right? And then whatever he dabbled in and in the job before that. But he clearly knows what he's doing. And so I got a phone call 10 minutes away from from there. I remember I was driving past my mom's house on the way home. And he calls up and he says, hey, um, I went and looked at some of your videos. When can you start? And I said, tomorrow. And so I was unemployed for, I think, six hours, right? And so if you, if you look at that's, you know, it's, it's another thing, you know, when you're talking about building a portfolio, things like that, but it also, it also pays off in other ways. So for example, um, I got a ticket to rails comp one year and I had enough money to either pay for a hotel or an air airline ticket, but not both. And somebody who watched teach me to code, you know, I, I just kind of put it out there. I'm trying to figure out how to get to RailsConf. I can pay for one or the other, but not both. And I got an email saying, I booked you into this hotel. Okay. You know, just stuff like that. And so it, it works out, right? And and at the time, I only had a few hundred people probably, you know, paying attention to anything I was doing, right? People have this idea you have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people in your audience. That's just, it's not true, right? A few hundred people um, is plenty to start to benefit from putting that stuff out there. The other thing that's interesting too is that as a freelancer, uh, I was freelance for like six years and having the content out there, um, I'd have a contract end. I'd go on the podcast and I'd just kind of say, hey, my contract ended a little early. I'm looking for my next gig. And I'd get three or four emails and a couple of phone calls, right? And And this was at the point where I had thousands of podcast listeners. But the reality is, is that if you just need one contract or two smaller contracts to keep, you know, the wheels turning, you only need a few hundred people, right? You only need one or two people to call you up and be willing to give you money right now to keep things going. 
And so, you know, if, if you have a 1% conversion rate, that's 200 people, right? Or 300 people. So you don't, you don't need this giant audience. So when you're looking at, you know, putting stuff out there and, you know, building an audience and, and doing this kind of work, it's, it's not, it's not unreasonable to think, Hey, if I have a few hundred people, I'm doing pretty good. The other thing is, is that if you have a few hundred people, you're already better than more than half of the podcasts out there. So, you know, all of that to say, yeah, if, if you're putting out, Hey, this is what I'm learning, or this is what we're working on, or, um, you know, this is something you might be interested in. This is a problem we solve for our clients. This is a problem I solve for myself. Um, you know, here's, here's something interesting that, you know, you may find interesting. Um, this is something that's going on in the industry that, that I want to discuss just like everyone else is discussing, you know, all of those things play nicely into, Hey, I've got plenty of stuff here to, you know, uh, to, to serve you and give you what you need. Yeah, that's true. And, and I think that's one of the things that, uh, so one of the bad things about podcasting is that you really don't know how many people are actually listening to you. It's like shouting out into the void as opposed to subscriber count for YouTube. You can see the number. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, like, yeah, that is something. And also it's, yeah, like you said, it, it feels like there's a lot more people out there who do listen to your stuff. than I think people viewing your YouTube content just on average, mm -hmm. right? Because I don't know. I don't know. Like yeah. you said, the podcasters, they just, they don't just subscribe to one channel and that's it. Right. They just subscribe to all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I just remember myself, like I was listening to like history stuff and, and like murder podcasts and mm -hmm. things like that. Things that I, like true crime stuff I, I like to listen yep. to. And it's just because, yeah, I just, it's not all tech related. Although right now all my right. stuff is tech related. That's, that's also a, a huge thing. So, yeah, it feels like there's a podcast for every single topic you can ever imagine. Yeah, well, and if there's not, there's probably room for it, right? I mean, you know, when we were talking about pulling this together, um, you know, you did a little bit of research, and I think you found, what, like six Flutter shows? And I don't think any of them were producing. I think another one has started up since then that is producing now. But, I mean, you know, the Flutter community... Those folks have plenty of time to listen to two shows, right? As one, um, you know, you get up to four or five. Yeah, people might have to pick which ones they want to listen to, right? Because people don't have infinite time. But it's it's interesting, right? Because at when you get to that point, it's like, okay, well, this is a niche that I'm really interested in. You know, the, this is a community that I'm really interested in serving. There's no show for them, you know, uh, especially if there are other how do I put it like other means of people getting information like say forums or um, conferences, conference is a good indication. If there's a conference, but not a podcast, that's a good indication that you probably could start a podcast in that space and, and do well. Right. Um, you know, we we've collaborated on the Elixir podcast on top end devs. Right. And when we started that, I think there were like, two other Elixir shows out there total. And one of them doesn't produce anymore, right? I mean, at this point, I think there are four or five of them that people can go subscribe to. But uh, of the ones that are still producing, I think we're the oldest or pretty close to the oldest one. 
you know, longest running one. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, JavaScript, same thing, right? Um, we've been around for a really long time in JavaScript Jabber. And, and that also, you know, speaks a lot to that. And having that backlog brings people in too, right? Because people go and they're like, oh, you've got this interview with this person, or you've got this content with this thing, or you've got, you've talked about this thing, or, hey, you know, I didn't realize that this was a thing back then that, you know, is starting to come back into relevance now. And so, you know, there are a lot of reasons to have these podcasts, but, you know, ultimately, yeah, if, if there's a community out there that has some way of getting together and doesn't have a podcast, then th there's, there's a huge opportunity there for you to get out there and kind of pull things together because then you become one of those central areas where people come together and, and get information from you as well as from those other places. Yeah, what I think is kind of interesting, like as you were talking, I was just looking at, um, I was quite surprised. I uh, kind of stepped around over here, but one day I just, you know, when you turn on Google Chrome on on my my phone, right, they always have like a, like a bunch of suggested links, things that they think mm -hmm. you might find interesting. One of the first, actually the very first one was by Free Code Camp, which was uh, best podcast for yep. Flutter developers, right? It's such a small space. We were actually listed as the third one. Um, so the first one is Flutter 101, which I think we talked mm -hmm. about before, right? That's one of the more consistent yep. ones. It's all widgets, which produces maybe like one or two, three episodes every couple of months that I could mm -hmm. kind of tell. And then they listed my podcast, which I thought was, right. well, I felt like really honored that we're being like noticed out there. Mm -hmm. And the next one is learning Flutter. And I was just looking at that. The last time they have an episode was three years ago. Yeah. And that was the third episode. Mm-hmm. That's pretty and common, then, actually. Yeah, that that people just kind of just have a couple episodes and stop, right? It's uh, it, I I do admit it's not easy to do, right? But yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to keep consistently putting out content. It's tiring, I think, right? I, you don't feel tiring from all the. I mean, you run how many shows are you have active right now? Oh man, so devchat.tv right now. And let me just um, hit my list here. So currently we have. I'm I'm just gonna tick them off on my hand while I list them. So we have Adventures in .NET, Adventures in DevOps, Adventures in Machine Learning, Clean Coders, Elixir Mix, JavaScript Jabber, uh, React Roundup, Ruby Rogue. She's in tech. Um, uh, iFreaks, Views on View. Um, I'm. I've had a couple iterations of the show that I'm starting up, which is uh, going to be the top end dev show. Um, it was the dev rev and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hit or miss on uh, dev influencers. If you count those, that's 14 shows um, of those shows. Um, I show up on more than half of them. And so that's, it's, it's, that's a lot of work on its own. I'm actually working on not showing up on all of those shows, but um, you know, I, I really have a passion for making sure that those communities have shows. And so that's what we're doing. But yeah, um, 14 shows is, is quite a bit of work. And then we have another five or six shows that we don't produce anymore. Now, why is it that you stopped producing those shows? Is, is it because like you ran out of ideas or what happened? So it depends on the show. Um, I've had hosts leave for various reasons. You know, they get busy, um, other stuff. Um, that's usually why the shows wind up 
closing down is because I just I don't have people to run them and I don't have time to run them myself. Um, that's probably the the big one. Um, a couple of these are just um, older shows that I produced over the years that I just you know haven't. So like Teach Me to Code, I don't produce that anymore. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that that's that's primarily what it is though. Is that yeah we have hosts leave. My Angular story, my JavaScript story, and my Ruby story, I just didn't have time to keep doing the interviews. Okay, that makes sense. So, because I'm just kind of thinking about, like, why, you know, why would, like, mm -hmm. our listeners, if they ever did set up a podcast, why would they ever want to stop, right? What are your reasons for yeah. stopping? And I think those are totally valid. Yeah, in my case, though, it was, you know, I didn't have time for them. But, you know, we continued the other shows. So, it was really just a prioritization of which shows we kept running. Okay. Um, I think the next thing, like, actually, the it's funny because I wasn't actually planning on talking about uh, podcasting for so long and even at all, just kind of let you plug your stuff, uh, which, again, it's it's a fantastic program, right? So if you guys are interested in really getting out there, I mean, there's definitely some benefits that's head up to me, too. So, um, like, full disclosure, like, uh, I did get a client from this. Uh, I don't think they came in from this in particular, but having a podcast is definitely what set uh, me and my company out compared to other people who are bidding for the same project because they looked at, you know, who's, you know, who's this company. And and so one of the things is that, for, of course, for my company, we we do say that we are Flutter kind of experts or we're really mm -hmm. in Flutter. The other thing too, is that they saw that we were basically evangelizing the technology as with the podcast and said that that was actually the, the thing that put us over the top was having the, the podcast. So, um, the other thing too is a couple of people actually already reached out to me, uh, being on the show, and and actually uh, I thought it was kind of funny, but somebody, a GDE, actually reached out to me and said you should get this guy on your show, and that guy is uh, <laughs> somebody who I who I do watch, and actually he reached out to the guy and said, hey, do you want to be on the show? And he gave me his contacts. So one of the guys on the Flutter uh, on the Flutter YouTube channel, the actual real Flutter official YouTube channel, he makes videos on there, will be on the show probably once I reach out to him, but. Nice. It's it's kind of crazy, like all the people you can meet. Like, uh, you know, I never thought I would meet like John Sanmez when he came on the show. Um, mm -hmm. uh, somebody who I of course look up to. Uh, yeah, you too. After after you know listening to you on the podcast, right? It's kind of like a I don't want to say weird, but like you know, dream come true. Like yeah, you know, like you listen to the authoritative voice on the other end, and then you finally get to meet them, and it's like right. okay, you know, this is nice. Get to hear from them. Uh, and also, like you helped us to introduce so one of our more popular episodes is Casper uh, Lund. Mm -hmm. So you had him on JavaScript Jabber, and thanks to Long you, uh, we got him. Yeah, we got him on the show, and uh, it took him took some time to get him on the show, but he is definitely one of the most exciting people to have on the show in terms of like just his own enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, oh, I love being on the podcast uh, for Dev Chat TV. Uh, you know, I want to do it again. I'm happy that you asked me because, you know, I, I just enjoyed the experience. And so, uh, again, like today I did a training with a client and, um, one of the guys was talking about, he was actually listening to my podcast and he was said that that episode with Casper Lund was like mm -hmm. packed with information that he, he just loved it. He's still listening to it because it's about two and a half hours long of stuff. Oh, Wow. So, yeah, I think I told you before that he stayed for a long time. Like, usually these episodes is about an hour, but two and a half hours uh -huh. of uh, 
appearing like the whole backlog of you know where Dart came from and Flutter and, and even V8 is quite interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to say is like I remember when we were talking. I don't know if we were talking and recording the episode for Lex from X or we were just talking like off camera or off 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 mic. Uh, we were talking about like how reading these kind of like self-help books is kind of like uh-huh. a taboo in the developer community. I think we said something like that. Yeah, I, I can't be. remember the exact wording. Do, do you remember this this conversation we were having? This Vaguely, like a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's kind of interesting to talk about. Like, you know, you yourself, I find you're always reading books, at least, or maybe oh, just yeah. you're rereading books. And is there like some books that you think uh, people, like any kind of developer, should definitely read, or any kind of even person, like to help mm-hmm. themselves? Boy, that's that's interesting. I didn't see that one coming. Um, I mean, there are a bunch of them that are. I think books that'll make you think about your own coding practice and think about how you learn. Um, a few of them that just come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, one of them is pragmatic programmer by Dave Thomas and Andy hunt. Um, now the, the reason that I put that one forward is that they do talk a lot about, Hey, you know, these are things you ought to be doing on a regular basis in order to, you know, get better as a programmer. Um, and so I highly recommend that, um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, they're kind of the, the big books on like refactoring and, you know, working effectively with legacy code. Uh, Both of those books are terrific. Um, most of uncle Bob Martin's stuff is, is awesome. Um, you know, and it'll make you think about, okay, what am I doing here? Uh, A lot of the stuff by Kent Beck is worth reading. Um, and, and those are, you know, mostly focused around again, kind of your, your coding practice, your, your technical prowess and things like that. Right. Um, there are probably also books within your technology area, right. About your framework or your, um, your language that you ought to be picking up and reading. It's, it's interesting though, because we had this conversation on a couple of the episodes and I don't recommend just books. I also recommend that you watch videos, that you listen to podcasts, that you uh, kind of get an, an all-around approach, right? Because um, the different media tend to emphasize different things, and so you'll pick up different things from the different different things you have out there, right? So the podcasts, you're going to get more stories, you're going to get um, more high-level explanations. They might get into the nitty-gritty of some of the principles of things, but, you know, obviously they're not going to show you code. Some of the videos will probably give you walkthroughs and tutorials. Uh, conference talks are usually a good introduction to the topic. Uh, books will go into depth, things like that, right? So if you're, if you're looking to expand your skills, then that's the way to go. As far as the rest of it is, um, you know, some of the self-help books that are out there, um, I'm going to pick up my phone and just look through uh, Audible here for a minute. Because I do, I listen to a ton of books. Um, a lot of them are the kind of the self-help books. I, I kind of go back and forth between the, how do I put it? The kind of the self-help books and the business books, just because, you know, I'm trying to run a business with a podcast. Um, what was the one that was, there's definitely how not, how not something, how not, not why or something like that. I think that you were who, who not how, who not how. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that one's more on the business end, and it it's effectively it encourages you to find the right people instead of trying to figure out how to solve a problem. Um, and and I think that I think there's some real power to that. If you're in a management position, you'll solve the problem much more effectively by finding somebody who already understands how to do it than to um, you know to try and have somebody trained up on it. Um, but sometimes you don't have a choice, right? So then you have to get somebody trained up on it. Um, another one that I really love, if you're in kind of a developer leadership role, is The Vision Driven Leader by Michael Hyatt. Um, terrific, terrific book. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brendan Burchard's High Performance Habits is one that I think just about anybody could pick up and just knock it out of the park. Um, the obstacle is the way is also another interesting take on getting through trials, right? And and we're all going to go through kind of down areas in your um in your career. So that's another good one. I mean, I could go on forever <laughs> throwing these out. Um, but the reality is is that if you're ignoring sort of the self improvement area you're you're gonna miss stuff right you're you're gonna miss stuff that is going to really make a difference um you know and there are books out there about all kinds of stuff um I recommend to a lot of people that they read expert secrets if they're gonna go out and try and build um uh a kind of a channel like we were talking about before um I also really like disrupt you by Jay Samet. Uh, yeah, I could, I could go on and on and on. Um, but yeah, you know, those are a few just to throw out there. There's one I'm trying to remember what it was, but, uh, it really just blew my mind. I'm trying to extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. That, that one's really terrific. Um, You know, but I pick up books about other stuff too, right? I've got health books. I've got, um, I read a book about how to uh, identify with Generation Z, right? You know, people younger than I am. I'm kind of right on the bubble of being a millennial. Um, so, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, w whatever it is that you need to learn, I I'm a big fan of kind of the just-in-time learning. So, Hey, I need this skill. Hey, I need this knowledge. Hey, I need this. Okay, go pick up a book, right? Um, hey, I just got hired as a, a leader, you know, so, you know, what do I do, you know, as a team leader, whatever. Go pick up 360 Degree Leader um, by John Maxwell, um, you know. Yeah, there's so much stuff. I, I, I don't even know. Um I, I could keep going, but yeah, a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff will make you think. Um, a lot of Tony Robbins stuff will make you think. Um, anyway, if you're if you're looking for kind of a, a little bit of a playbook on podcasting, uh, John Lee Dumas book, Young and Common Path, the Common or the Common Path to Uncommon Success, it's pretty darn good. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know when to stop, so I'm gonna stop. I was busy trying to gather all the links to kind of put them into the show notes. But yeah, these are pretty solid books. Some of these, of course, I've read or heard of. Uh, not all these, though. But yeah, it's pretty solid choices. And thanks for for giving some out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that yeah, it's okay to you know read books and to get more knowledge than things just about programming. I find like the the more I program, the more I found out, the more I'm in my career, right? That the less programming is important. It's more about like handling conflicts and dealing with people and things like that. So I think it's really good to get into these kind of uh, books and really start to wrap yeah. your head around. Like obviously a very solid book is uh, How to Influence People, right? Mm-hmm. That that one is yeah. uh, very good. It's not, it's not really about like, I wouldn't say it's really about you know, controlling people. It's more like, you know, how can you effectively deal with people and even start mm-hmm. to to get them to understand your ideas and, right. you know, how to better yeah, interact with people. That's, I'm still working on that, but I'm getting better and better with how to, how to talk with people. Yeah. But yeah, w- once, you know, you can communicate, especially formulate your ideas and it becomes much, much easier to get your, your job done. And it doesn't matter... I think one of the most surprising things as a developer is that, you know, you think that, oh, you know, I, I go to school, I get to learn how to code and, and, you know, that's all I'm going to be doing is just tapping on my keyboard. And once you start working, at least when you start going up the chain, it's like, mm-hmm. no, I have to actually learn how to formulate a proper email and um, yeah. how to discuss with people who are not technical and how can I explain to them that, you know, this thing which they want to do is, you know, it looks so easy, but it's actually not mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things that they just don't understand. Yep. So that's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I think you've definitely, you know, given a lot of information. And, and uh, again, I just want to say again, uh, of course, I'm, I'm no longer a student. Uh, you know, maybe I'll come back because it's just not yeah. a good fit for me at this moment in my time. And, and we talked about this, but I really have to say that, you know, if you're interested in, in like, you know, promoting yourself or whatever, or even just uh, you wanted to spread out some of your knowledge to people, podcasting is definitely a way. And I think that your program is, is definitely, uh, was definitely helpful. And uh, I'm glad that I took it. So, yeah. If anything else yep. you want to, to say? Yeah, um, if you're interested, go to devinfluencers.com slash apply. And uh, that will, um, there's a form. It just gives me some information about where you're at and where you're trying to get to. Um, And then we'll reach out. We'll jump on a call, um, you know, do some coaching. I mean, that's essentially the way that I run it. You know, we'll do some coaching. We'll, We'll make sure that, you know, I understand where you're at, you know, get, get, go deep. Right. And then from there we'll, you know, we'll decide if it's a good fit and move ahead from there. But either way, um, yeah, definitely go check that out. The other thing that I'm doing these days is if you are, um, if you're trying to figure out kind of what's next in your career, or you feel like you have questions about, um, how to build a career or how to build a podcast or where to go next or, you know, how to learn stuff or, you know, about technical topics that you think I have the answers to. Um, I've actually opened up a coaching time every Wednesday and it's just an open Q&A. There's going to be some training, right, at the beginning. 
Um, but it's going to be for like 10 minutes and it's just going to be a basic, Hey, here's how I do this thing. Right. And then, yeah, the rest of the time is just going to be Q and a. And when I say Q and a, it's not. So what's your favorite Ruby library? Oh, it's this one. Oh, well, uh, what's your, you know, and it's not going to be like that. It's going to be, um, more along the lines of, Hey, I ran into the situation and I'm trying to figure out how to handle it. Or, Hey, I've been thinking about starting a podcast and I don't know what to do it about. Right. And so we'll, I'll actually bring you on the call. Right. Um, and we'll talk and, um, you know, I'll ask you a bunch of questions and we'll kind of go deep. It'll look a, a bit like coaching. Right. And, you know, try and answer your question on the call. Um, I'm doing those Wednesdays at noon mountain time. And you can go get on those calls at devchat.tv slash level up. Um, I think eventually it'll wind up at topendevs.com slash level up, but we're still in transition. So devchat.tv slash level up. Um, it'll take you to the uh, webinar software for Zoom. And yeah, you can just get on those calls and, and we'll just chat, right? And then if we I feel like, hey, you know, maybe we need more dedicated one-on-one -on -one time, then we'll figure that out, right? But, um, yeah, that's kind of the deal. There's no sales pitch. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do any kind of weird, you know, selling or anything. I, I find that, you know, people use the webinar software for webinars, which means that they give you just enough information to get you hungry. And then they do a sales pitch. And I'm just not going to play that game, right? Um, I'm going to show you what I have to offer. And then hopefully you buy, um, which means that hopefully you come and you say, Chuck, I want you to coach me, right? Is, is what we're aiming at. Um, you know, that or it's, hey, we need some one-on-one -on -one and we'll do some one-on-one -on -one and then we'll see where that goes. But I'm not going to play the game of, hey, you know, I've got a hundred of you on here. Now I'm going to do this hard sales pitch and see if I can get you now. We're going to do the training. We're going to answer the questions. We're going to get off the call. So um, that's the deal. Um, and like I said, devchat.tv slash level up for that. And if you're looking to start a podcast or start a media channel, um, I've done YouTube as well. I know plenty of people who can answer questions that I can't, and they're more than happy to help me get the answers for you. Um, so if that's a, a channel you're looking at as well, um, yeah, go to devinfluencers.com slash apply, fill that in, and uh, yeah, I'll email you and we'll figure out when we can talk. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah. And with that, I think, you know, it's uh, it's a good wrap. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your yeah. knowledge and I hope that yeah, more people can take this up and we can get more podcasts out there about all kinds yeah, of topics. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see every programming community, no matter how big or small have plenty of content out there. I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, I agree too. The more knowledge we have, right. The more we can share and the more, you know, we all grow together. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So see you again next time. Yep. All right. Max out everybody. <laughs>